0: Awesome. Well, hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. If we haven't met, my name is Corey, and I'm so excited to be with young adults in this space. I'm, I'm, I'm just really encouraged that we have a space like this at Hope for young adults to come together and encourage each other in worship. And tonight, I don't want you to worry about the person on your left or the right. I just want you to tune into what God has for you. Sometimes in big churches, we focus a lot on numbers, but I want you to hear tonight that God cares about you as an individual. And he knows the battle you're going through, he knows the struggles that you have, and he wants to fight that battle for you. I'm really excited about the theme that we're going to talk about tonight. How can God bring beauty out of our brokenness? Especially when maybe all you see around you or inside of you is brokenness. How can God do something beautiful out of the ashes of our lives? And I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture together tonight that help us unpack that together And this last year has been a little bit of a journey for me. Uh, And God's been teaching me some things that are still a little raw. I'm going to let you into some of just the vulnerable journey that he's had me on. And some things he's been teaching me that I want to share with you. But one of the things that he's shown me is kind of like a a real tangible picture of restoration. Right before COVID, you remember when, when COVID hit? Anybody remember back that far? It's been a long time, right? We've gotten used to wearing masks, but there was a time if you remember, when we didn't have these things called mass on. And back then, I had a kitchen. But we had this idea right before COVID hit to rip out our kitchen because we had this pipe that burst in our garage, and it flooded our kitchen, and we knew we, we had to get it fixed, and there was never a good time. So why not do it when the kids are still in school? So we thought. And so about February, we ripped our kitchen out, and I brought a picture of my family to show you. That's a picture of my kitchen that was ripped out. There's my girl's. I have three daughters that are uh, teenagers or almost teenagers. My wife's a second grade teacher, and this was our kitchen when we ripped it out. Absolutely nothing. And then COVID hit, and we were four months without an oven, without like a fridge, without the normal things. I know first world problems, but literally all we could see in our home was brokenness, and we couldn't wait for it to be over. And four months later, it was restored, and it looks pretty cool. Like it was, it was worth the wait, right? But in the midst of that time, we were just living in what felt like chaos. And I started doing all these home projects at my house, like outside the kitchen, that I could fix because I felt like things were outside of my control, and I wanted to do something that I could control. And so I turned into like this little home renovation expert, like my own HGTV special is what it felt like. And once I got done with those, my house was finally restored, I realized, you know what? I have some issues in my home that I need to be willing to look at. There are some patterns of communication with my wife, some ways we were dealing with emotions as a family, some anxiety, some just anger, the issues that were in our home that we needed to like look beneath the surface and let God into in a deeper way. So if you're here in the last year, you've struggled with something in your mental health, with anxiety, with depression, with even suicidal thoughts, I want you to hear tonight that you're not alone. If you struggled in your relational health, maybe you you struggled to know how to connect with the people close to you in your life, and your good efforts end up pushing people away, rather than bringing connection, I want you to know you're not alone. And if you struggle in your spiritual health, like you know the right things from the Bible, but you struggle to experience those things, the joy and the freedom and the peace that Jesus offers us, I want you to know you're not alone. I've struggled with a lot of those things too, and I imagine somebody else in this room has struggled with something in their spiritual, relational, emotional health, because the reality is we all have a story of struggle and of pain underneath the surface, and most people are struggling more than you know. And so if you're here and you're listening to me, you're like, this guy's crazy. The person sitting next to you might feel like, gosh, he finally gets me. You need to know that. If you're not in a place of struggle, maybe you're here and God wants to show you how you can encourage someone else because we're in this together. And if you haven't heard, God is in the business of bringing restoration out of brokenness, of bringing beauty out of ashes. The whole story of the Bible is the story of this God who loves a broken world and broken people so much that he came to offer us hope. And I want to take you the moment when Jesus first came and announced his mission to the world. It's in Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there or we'll look at the screens together. And this is what Jesus told us what he was all about, what his mission was. He said this, "'The Spirit of the Lord is on me "'because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. "'He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners "'and recovery of sight for the blind, "'to set the oppressed free, "'to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.'" Jesus was saying, I've come to make broken things new. I've come to set people that are oppressed by evil and darkness free. I've come to bring healing to those who are blind by seeing the goodness of God. And when he opened up the scroll and read it in Luke 4, It was part of this longer passage that was written hundreds of years before. He was actually quoting a passage from Isaiah 61 that was written like 500 years before Jesus, and everybody knew this passage, kind of like if you played a Justin Bieber song. Everyone would know the words to it. I think we actually have a little clip. Does anyone know this song? But when Jesus read this scroll in Luke 4, it was like the beeps was on in their culture. Like everyone knew this was the moment. And I want to read you this longer passage from Isaiah 61. You can look at it on the screen with me. It's amazing. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Remember, this was written 500 years before Jesus. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. He's saying, I'm coming to do a renovation project in each person's heart who will reach out and find me. They renew the ruined cities that have been devastate, devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. This is the song that Jesus came to sing and give to us to sing in our hearts. He came to do something inside of us to repair what was broken in here. Right after Jesus read this scroll, it was like an ultimate mic drop. He went on to tell them this right here. He said, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Jesus said, the one that was predicted would do this hundreds of years before, I'm him. I've come to do this in you. And you would think they would be excited about the song that was playing, but instead, you actually discovered that they wanted to kill Jesus. They didn't want what he had to offer because what Jesus was getting at was too close to home. The brokenness they wanted Jesus to restore was out there. With the bad people that were against them and their circumstances that were difficult, he wanted to, he, they wanted Jesus to fix all their problems out there, but Jesus wanted to deal with something in here one of the ministries I oversee at Hope is our marriage ministry, and Dave Lanute does a phenomenal job. Is anyone in here married? Anybody in the house married? Anybody want to be married in the house? Anybody? It's okay. You raise your hand. Safe place. Well, one of the first exercises we do, a spoiler alert, in our in our marriage classes, we have each couple draw like a circle on a piece of paper and write the word me in the circle. And it's symbolic of taking responsibility for the only person in the relationship that you can change. Because when you get married, you might think when you get married, like, your problems will go away. Uh, Well, actually, uh, you guys all have parents. you, You know that's not true. Like, the closer we get to another human being, the more issues we have to work through. But also, the more love and joy we can experience, too. Marriage is a beautiful thing. But the only person that we can change in the relationship is ourselves. And when we look to other things to give us happiness, we look to another person when we think, man, if I just got that job or I got that much money or I got that car or I got those people to like me and we're going to try to fill our circle with that, it's very temporary. And if our relationship and our marriage is, is built on how good our spouse feels about us, it's very shaky. And so the first step to change in a marriage is to own your own growth, is to take responsibility for yourself and saying, you know what, I need to take responsibility for my issues, for my happiness, for my joy, and I need to let Jesus work on me and let God work on my spouse at his own time and his own pace. And as two people commit to doing that, it's amazing the amount of joy and love they can experience and the foundation they can build their life. But Jesus is really clear. If we want to experience healing and restoration in our lives, we need to be willing to look inside of ourselves and allow Jesus begin to deal with what's broken in us, not think that the problem's out there. One of my favorite moments in Jesus' life is when he was talking to a group of really religious people, and they were peppering him with questions about, why are you spending time with all these messed up folks, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes? And Jesus said this in Luke chapter 5. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And repentance just means turning your life over to God, of rethinking your life in relationship with this good God who loves you. And that's what Jesus came to offer to every person that would be willing to admit that they need him, that they're broken, that he would bind up their heart. And that's step one for us to experience healing in our life. It's to admit our brokenness. To admit we can't fix ourselves. To admit that we need help. You know, all of us in our life, if we're gonna find healing, we need a buddy. And I don't mean like Buddy the Elf. I don't know anybody like uh, Elf movie. It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. But Buddy the Elf is like, he's the biggest believer ever, right? He's, he just believes in Christmas and the power of the Christmas spirit. No matter what. And you know, we might not need someone who's that crazy in our life, but we need someone that we can be honest with about our brokenness, who knows everything about us and loves us anyway. You know, one of those people in my life is Matt Curtis. I know I can call Matt at two in the morning and tell him, you know what, I'm struggling with this, and he would pick up the phone. We all need someone in our life that knows everything about us and loves us anyway, and and who will help us to find encouragement to believe. To believe in the power of Jesus that can restore our lives. And that's the second step. The second step is to believe there's a God who can restore us to sanity. And if you're not familiar with the language of these steps, they're actually taken from the recovery movement that has helped millions of people become free from addictions like alcoholism, narcotics, sexual addictions. SA, NA, AA have helped so many people find healing from things that they are not powerful enough to overcome on their own. And I've been going through a recovery journey this year for myself. I grew up in a family of addiction. I grew up, and my sister almost died from anorexia. And for a lot of my life, I went into ministry, and I thought I was kind of like above those issues. And then I started to realize, I've got some stuff inside that I need to deal with. And then I internalized a lot of shame, inside growing up in my home, and I needed to take responsibility for that. And I needed to deal with some of the fear and the patterns of control in my life that weren't leading to connection and love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit, in my relationships, in my heart, so that I could find more healing. Because the reality is all of us have issues. All of us are broken, whether we grew up in a perfect home, in a beautiful home. I, I talk to people all the time, young adults, that their parents love them, they provided for them, but they have an incredible fear of not being good enough. They internalize just this need to be perfect or to find their identity based on their performance and achievement. And our culture is like hardwired to train us to think that way. And so it's the best news on the planet to believe there's a God who loves us unconditionally and has the power to restore us to sanity, to health, to mental health, to spiritual health, to relational health, as we trust in him. But we have to believe for ourselves, just like we can't—no one else can admit our brokenness for us, no one else can believe for us. It's something that starts deep in our heart, of trusting that the promises of God are true and available to each one of us. And we can turn from looking to ourselves for the answers, to looking to the God who loves us enough to die on a cross, And rise from the dead to live in our hearts for our source of hope and health. And that's the invitation that's on the table. It's kind of like pulling up a chair. And how do you know if you trust this chair? Okay, old analogy, right? Not that hard. Is it that I can describe to you that I trust the chair? Is it that I could come and show you the chair? No, You trust the chair if you sit in the chair, and that's how you know you trust it. And what God is inviting each one of us into tonight is a relationship with him where we can rest. We can sit on the foundation of his promises. Just listen to a couple of the promises again from Isaiah 61. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion— And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion of your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Do you know where joy comes from in our brain? Like, neuroscientists have actually studied our brain and discovered that we experience joy when we know someone wants to be with us, especially in our weakness. When we can admit to someone where we're weak or our own vulnerabilities, it actually, and then they respond with grace or love, it creates the experience of joy in our brains. And we shouldn't be surprised that neuroscientists can study our brains and discover that because that is the gospel. That is the good news of the God who made you. He wired it into your neuroscience to experience joy by turning to him as your first and best friend and then developing friendships in your life that you can be your real self with. Just yesterday, I I was talking to my neighbor, and I've gotten to be good friends with my neighbor. He actually comes to um, a a small group with me, and we just, we talk all the time. And I was asking him a a question, and he's just very honest about things. And he, he just disarmed me by his honesty. And I said, you know what, man? I could tell you the right answer for that, but I struggle with that too. You ever have those moments where you just... You're struggling with that spiral like Matt was talking about and you don't know how to get out of it. And I was like in my bed and I and I could have like gone to the spiral of suicidal thoughts and depression and this really dark place really quick. But instead, I decided instead of looking at the chair, I just admitted, "God, I'm struggling with this darkness." And I just spent time like actually opening my Bible and letting the promises that I just read to you kind of soak in, that what God says about me is that I'm his son. Instead of shame, he looks at me with love, like I look at my daughters. And that's what I want you to hear tonight, is that your Father in heaven looks at you with so much love. And where you might have inherited a table of abuse or neglect, Or addiction or anxiety, you might feel like no one knows what's actually inside of you. There is a God that knows and he invites you to sit with him and develop a relationship with him and to trust him for yourself. And that's a part of how God begins to restoration inside of us and healing inside of us, is to believe that there's a God that can restore us to sanity, and then it's to embrace the battle I think sometimes we can believe the lie that if God is in it, it should be easy. That if we really believed right, we wouldn't have a struggle. But Jesus never promised that. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We expect following Jesus sometimes to be like my experience of playing paintball for the first time. Now, how many of you guys have ever played paintball before? Anybody? Well, the rest of you are in the same boat that I was before I played paintball for the first time. I never played, but I was on this leadership team of a college ministry, and we decided we were going to plan this, like, epic experience where we invited our friends to come and to play paintball, like, out in this field. And we were going to dress up in military stuff and rent a Hummer, and it was going to be awesome. And then we we're going to, like, preach the gospel, and people's lives are going to be changed. It was going to be a great day. And so I was on this team that planned the event, and— I was so excited, I painted my face, I wore my cutoff t-shirt, I had my sweatpants pulled up to my knees, and I was ready to go. I got in the Hummer truck, and then I got to paintball, and I realized I never played paintball before. I didn't actually look into what this experience is like. And this is what I expected paintball to be like. I expected paintball to be like, you know, those ball pits? Can you show the baby picture? Yeah. I, like, isn't she cute? I, I expected paintball to be like these, you know, Balls filled with paint that you throw at each other, and whoever gets the least amount of paint on you at the end of the game wins, and it was going to be awesome. I was so excited. I was totally going to win. Well, if you play paintball, you know this is what paintball is like. (laughs) It's guys with guns, and these things hurt, and I had all this skin showing, and the first half hour, I was running for my life through the woods and getting pelted from every direction. It looks like I had leprosy by the end of this thing because I had so many hits from the paintball, and Then at the end of the game, I thought I was finally going to win, and I was running towards this fort, and my friend Darren Hickman was right about where you were. And when I went to grab the flag to win the victory, he shot me in the neck from like three feet away. And I literally go flying backwards. I'm holding my neck, and I'm looking at my hands. I'm not sure if it's blood or pain, if I'm going to actually die or not. And then I see Darren come over to check on me and see if I'm okay, and then he shoots me in the butt, like from two feet away. I'm like, what kind of friends do I have? This is ridiculous. Man, this was an awful experience. I never wanted to play paintball again, and I tell you that story because I think that's what happens in our lives sometimes. We we expect life to be easy, but it's not, and then we end up getting shot in the butt by our friends, or someone betrays us, or there's some kind of struggle in our life that we run into that just came out of nowhere. We thought we were over it, and now we're struggling with it. And it's hard. We find ourselves in a battle. And Jesus wants you to know that he came to fight a battle for you. If you're in a battle, there's not something wrong with you. It's that you need God to fight for you. He's really clear in John 10. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He said this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is fighting for us to experience the abundant life that only he can provide. But to find it, we have to embrace the battle. And the way we embrace the battle is just through daily surrender. So, admitting, God, I need you. I want to put my faith and my trust in you. I want to turn my life and my will over to you and to admit the struggles that we have with honesty and humility and to begin to pray and seek him and allow him to fight on our behalf. We don't have to do that alone. That's what the church is for. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a whole community of young adults that were fighting for each other because there is a God that loves us that much? that we would be willing to fight against the things that would harm each other and for God's purposes in each other's lives. That's what God has always wanted for his church. And it would be really sad. Only Satan would be happy if there was a room full of Christians who weren't willing to admit their insecurities, their vulnerabilities, their sin, their struggle, because they thought they had to act like they had it all together and they were better than they are. Because then they would miss out on seeing the power of God do only what he can do in our lives. When we're willing to let God fight our battles, it is amazing what God can do. I'm in this recovery group right now with some friends, and we were talking honestly with our leader who, he was addicted to a lot of, a lot of things. And he started a recovery journey years ago, and he actually shared the story at Easter. He's on our worship team, and what God has done in his life has been incredible. And he just went through cancer treatment, and he was really vulnerable with us about what that was like. And so we were just asking some questions. And one of the guys in our group just said, when was the point in your life when you finally didn't struggle with the temptation to, like, do the drugs and the alcohol anymore? And he said, never. Never. I'm sitting in the hospital room, and that voice is always talking to me. I just choose not to listen to it. But the battle is there. Just because you're in a battle doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and your struggle. It means that God wants to fight for you in your struggle, and you need to let him in. I wonder how many victories we miss out in our life because we just hold it in for ourselves and, and we just get focused on our own shame and our own mistakes rather than letting God fight for us. I had a moment at the Passion Conference last year. I actually went with the young adults. I was the old guy who drove the bus to the Young Adult uh, Passion Conference. If you're not familiar with it, it's like this big thing that used to happen before COVID with like 100,000 people in an auditorium um, in Atlanta. We went down. And it, it was amazing. It, it, I was just, kind of old and grumpy. I was like, you know, going back to the room and going to sleep before everybody else. I, I got I got lots of kids and responsibilities, you know what I mean? So I, I did decide to stay up late one night, and I remember the message was right for me, and the band's going to come back out in a minute as, as we close, because you're going to have a chance to respond to something I think uh, God wants to say to each of us tonight, but this is something God sp- spoke to me right before COVID hit last year, and it was really, I think, Uh, like prophetic for the journey God was going to bring me on in my own heart, in my own life, in my own family. And I was sitting there and the guy was talking and they had this enormous like book on the stadium floor of, what is it, the, the Georgia Dome or wherever we were. And it was covered up in black. And it was, you knew it was going to be like the epic closer to the message. You know what I mean? Like this big dramatic thing. And you didn't know it was under there, but you knew it was something. And when they uncovered the book, this is what it said. It said defeat. And the guy who was giving the message just said, I think some of you have been living in a story of defeat. And 2021, God wants to do something new. He wants to begin to write a new story. And when he said that some of you have been living a story of defeat, honestly, the old guy in the room was like, he's talking to me. I had had just started working at Hope. I'd been here six months and I knew that, I'm like pretty aware of most of my issues, my family story. I know I've struggled with anxiety, depression, my mental health. I've gotten help for that. I've gotten counseling. I've even had been on medication at times. But there was something that just got triggered, and I was, I was like struggling, and I was getting the help I need, but I just felt like, God, is this ever going to stop? And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of place, but it's just really discouraging. And I was doing all the right things to help other people, but inside I was hurting and wondering if, if God could do something new. And then he turned the page, and the page turned, and it just said, victory. And I knew in that moment that this is a year that God wanted to do something new in my heart. And that is the invitation that's always on the table for us. That God wants to turn the page from the things that we feel defeated by, to give us hope for his victory that's only possible by his power. And so tonight, we want to give you a chance just to respond in worship. To let God into whatever battle that you're fighting, that maybe nobody else knows you're carrying, I want to encourage you, you can spread around the room if you want. If you want to stay in your seat with your friends, you're welcome to stay right where you are. But this is a time for you and Jesus to deal with whatever you need to inside of you. I just want you to hear that God is fighting for you. He's come to win the victory, not for someone else, but for you. And just real practically, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath real quick. Just take a deep breath. And breathe it out. God wants to take off the spirit of heaviness and despair. And give us a double portion of joy. And we would breathe in his love and his power. And we could just exhale our brokenness to him. And worship has always been a chance just to bring our real self to God. To give the breath that he's put inside of us back to him. To praise him with our heart and our mind and our soul because he is the God who loves to be with us. And I want to encourage you to to build this foundation of sitting with God, of spending time with him, of opening the word up for yourself. of When you experience brokenness, to admit it, to not hide from it, and to let God restore you to sanity and, and to find that buddy, to find that one or two people in your life that you can be completely honest with. and you can trust that they'll love you anyway. And maybe that would start with you being that friend to someone else. So let me pray for you, and then I'll invite you to stand and the band's gonna lead us in a time of worship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you heal broken people. I thank you that we don't have to hide. We don't have to act like we're better than we are, that we can admit our brokenness and we can believe in the one who has defeated the power of sin and death and the devil and who is fighting for us right now to find the freedom and fullness of life that only your spirit provides. So God, I pray that you would release that victory in people's hearts tonight. Would you give them the courage to ask for help if they need it and that you would help us to praise you from our hearts because you love us as your children. It's in your name we pray. Amen.